Welcome to It's Still Bedlam. I'm Ryan Aber, joined by John Helsley. We're here to talk about Big 12 basketball, especially Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. John, uh, how are you doing this Thursday afternoon? I am doing well. Late uh, tip last night, 8 o'clock, Cowboys and Red Raiders. Slept in a little bit this morning. Felt good. <laughs> yeah, nothing, nothing wrong with that at all. And uh, Let's start with that since that's what's most fresh on everybody's mind last night. Uh, OSU gets a little bit of a breather in the schedule, but uh, early on didn't look like it was going to be that way against Texas Tech. It didn't, and it was kind of a strange game in that the Cowboys kept like getting a, getting some distance you know, from the Red Raiders. They'd get up by 8, they'd get up by 10, and then sort of game sort of stagnated <laughs> a little bit. And next thing you know, Red Raiders were back in it. Tied it at one point, 25-25, but uh, from that point on – Tech really did very little on offense, had long stretches without points, without baskets. Um, only had six uh, field goals in the second half. Yeah, six of 28, uh, 21.4% clip in the second half. Wound up, what, 15 of 54 from the field. Just uh, uh, one of those kinds of shooting nights from Texas Tech. And un- unfortunately, it seems like that's what they're going to be for for the entirety of the season. Sure looks that way. You know, it's 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 sort of an overhauled roster for Tubby Smith. Um, you know, seven newcomers, five of those guys are freshmen. They have started three freshmen at times this year, obviously trying to trying to get those guys some experience in you know in, in looking ahead, I would say. And I talked a little bit with Tubby last night after the game about what sort of a baby step season this is. And and he admitted that's what it is. When you when you're when you're this young and you have so many new players. Um, you know they play hard. I mean they're responding to Tubby. He's coaching hard on the sideline. I mean they're just very limited right now offensively, especially. Yeah, and I think that's. I don't know if anybody expected him to be like this, but when you saw the amount of uh, that they lost off last year's team, which obviously had some struggles as well, but still losing most any offense that they brought back to transfers and some of the other attrition that happened uh, over the offseason. It was sort of understood that this was going to be a, a lot of growing pains for them this season, but still pretty stark to to see it play out in person. Yeah, and um, it was, and it made for sort of a, you know, I hate to say this, but a boring game in a lot of ways. You know, when one team is, is that inept on offense – you know, and eventually the Cowboys did what they needed to do. They pulled away. They win by 20. Um, you mentioned it being a breather, and there aren't very many of those in this <laughs> Big 12 schedule. But when you get them, you know, embrace it and, and, and move on. And they needed that. They, it was first losing streak this season. They'd lost two in a row going into that game. Kind of right the ship a little bit. Uh, much needed. Yeah, and they got – LeBron Nash going, Phil Forte going. Obviously, Oklahoma State is going to go as those two go. Yeah, and, and and Nash got in some early foul trouble. Only played six minutes in the first half, and that probably contributed a little bit to the kind of the sluggish first half. You know, the other thing that Travis Ford did is he played a lot of subs. You know, in the first half, there were times when it was Phil Forte on the floor with four reserves. You know, and I think that's kind of his approach to trying to get his guys some rest as he'll he'll sub more in the first half then go with the starters uh, significantly in the second halves of games. So that's probably at play a little bit there too. Uh, Nash comes back second half, played much better. Forte did what he does. Anthony Hickey had a very productive game, didn't score a lot, but eight assists, got five rebounds. You know, Jeff Newberry had 13 points. Michael Cobbins, eight rebounds and 
I think five block shots. So a lot yeah, of five blocks. Yeah, a lot of guys contributed in different ways, um, and that was a positive as well. Yeah, you mentioned you just touched on Newberry a little bit. I think that's sort of what stood out to me as far as just a quick glance over the stat sheet and having seen just a couple minutes of that game last night was uh, that contribution that they got from him because obviously uh, Nash and Forte are sort of the bellwether of this team as as they go, the Cowboys are going to go, but they've obviously got to get some kind of offensive production elsewhere and uh, thought it was big to to see that from him, especially – with uh, coming off the Bedlam game where Hammonds was really the only bright spot. Yeah, and I think Newberry is capable of that. You know, I, I think he's got some ability. He's very athletic. He'll do some other things, you know, that they want him to do, such as he's a good defender. Uh, he can rebound a little bit as a guard, and, and, and they need that on this team because they're not all that big, as we know. Um, so, yeah, uh, good, good positive game from him. He didn't play in the second half of the uh, of the Bedlam game. You know, Travis sat him, and there was a there was a moment in the first half where there was a loose ball over there right in front of the OSU bench, and I think a couple of OU players got on the floor to get it, and Newberry just sort of stood there and watched, and and that was it for him. That, that was the message sent, and last night it looked like uh, it looked like he got the message. Yeah, and and certainly they're. <laughs> Going to have to heed some of those those messages uh, moving forward if they're going to make a push toward the top half of the Big 12 or even the, the NCAA tournament. I had an interesting time Monday night uh, up in Lawrence where where OU hung with Kansas. They got, it looked like it was going to be a blowout at halftime. They're down 19. We're down 20 just a couple minutes earlier. Uh, looked completely lost uh, on the offensive end especially. And even though they were defending decently, I thought for for the most part everything that Kansas threw up was going in uh, for the first twenty minutes of that game. And honestly, I, I'm sure as you do at at times in games like this, I got to writing, had uh, pretty much my story all lined out, and then the second half happens, and uh, you know you hit Control A, delete. Because none of it matters anymore. Now I've been there many times, many <laughs> times, and with eight o'clock tips, you got to get ahead of the game, and it, it, you know it's frustrating when you have to do that. But the the good side of that is you got to see a pretty good ball game. Absolutely, you know, and and you're right. I don't know that I saw that coming. You know, especially in Allen Fieldhouse, I didn't didn't have the game on live early, but I was following it on Twitter, following your your tweets, and and you know the hot shooting of the Jayhawks and. Next, you know, I got home and I thought I'll flip it over and see how this thing's going. And it was seven point game, and I thought, wow, you know what happened here? And, and once the Sooners got the lead, I really thought they were going to win. You know, I did too because they were playing uh, playing better defense. Uh, certainly, Kansas wasn't getting many open looks uh, even when they were on that stretch, but uh, they weren't getting near as many ch- opportunities at the rim. They were OU was defending or uh, rebounding better on that end of the floor, but uh, at about four minutes in, when, when D.J. Bennett picked up his third foul, Tayshawn Thomas has to come back in the game, which uh, if you would have told me a week ago I was going to be saying that was going to be the key to turning it against OU, that Tayshawn Thomas coming into the game and D.J. Bennett leaving was going to be a turning point the other way, I would have thought you were crazy because uh, D.J. Bennett's a guy who didn't play at all in a, the loss to, to Kansas State, and we thought, 
you know, he could be uh, sent to Siberia, and all of a sudden he's he's getting big time minutes for them and making big time plays for them in the second half. He's gotten on the sled dogs <laughs> of uh, the, those Siberian Huskies and, and raced back into uh, the spotlight here, and, and he's playing with energy. You know, I've noticed that he's he's playing with some energy. Um, you know, he's going up with some force inside, and man, that's a good development for the Sooners. Absolutely. I mean, if he can show any kind of strength offensively. Uh, you know he's been a good shot blocker for them at times. He he not a great rebounder, but uh, can be uh, effective in there. But if he can show any kind of aggressiveness toward the bucket on offense, be able to go get up get rebounds. He had a great tip in the other night that uh, uh, looked like there's a good chance it turns the tide there near the end. But uh, like I said, he picked up a couple fouls and had to go out. But that's a very positive sign for them because DJ Bennett's a guy that they thought was going to be a starter the night before their season opener, and then he'd only played six minutes uh, in their first, I think, four Big 12 games total. And then here in the last couple, he's finally shown something. And that's big for them because their bench uh, has been very thin. They've got Kadeem Latin, who's going through some growing pains, and he's going to be really good, I think, when it's all said and done. But uh, certainly he can't do the things on the defensive end, especially that D.J. Bennett can when he's right. So if they get him uh, going, that's going to be a big thing. Now, the concerning thing is Tayshawn Thomas and his tendency to to disappear at times. He really struggled against Kansas's pressure, and uh, they tried to get him to, to you know be a part of getting the ball up the floor at times. He was really struggling, had three turnovers or – was it three turnovers in the first four minutes, I think, four in the first half, wound up with six uh, total despite not playing much in the second half until that last four-minute stretch. But uh, OU's offense, when it's right, has Tayshaun Thomas has a big central point in it, and uh, right now that's just not happening. You know, a, a guy that really stood out to me, Ryan, and, and again, I followed a lot of the game on Twitter, didn't see it live, but when I did tune in late – and uh, and the Sooners were really making a, a charge there at the end. Isaiah Cousins, I mean, man, he played well. I thought took some some clutch shots, made them, knocked them down. You know, I, I, he's really becoming uh, a major factor for this team, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. And he had uh, you know struggled. He was about the only Sooner who struggled in the Bedlam game. Uh, had struggled the game before, but. When this team is is really going strong on the offensive side, Isaiah Cousins needs to be a big part of that. He's a very complimentary player to Buddy Heald. Get some uh, different kind of looks. Can they can create looks for each other when they're moving the ball well? Which when they're right, they're they're throwing the ball around the perimeter quite a bit. They've gone away from it a, a little bit, but Isaiah Cousins is, I think, at this point, I would probably call him their MVP. Certainly, their most impactful player because uh, he's one of those guys, sort of like Nash and Forte on the other side, that when OU's going well, he's going to be a big part of it, whether it's on the offensive end or the defensive end. He's their best defender, uh, has been one of their most consistent offensive players uh, right before this little stretch. But uh, a fantastic game, I thought, from all of their guards. Isaiah Cousins uh, was 7 of 15, hit three three three-pointers, wound up just 3 of 8, from behind the arc, but a lot of those were the late shots when uh, Cousins and Heald really had to get mm-hmm. some things going. They couldn't really get to the rim with Thomas in there, unfortunately. 
But uh, And then Jordan Woodard, I thought, played a fantastic game, and he's really come on over the last uh, week and a half or so in being able to do some of the things that he did last year as far as getting to the rim, getting to the free throw line, and, and making plays there, which is, is where he's most comfortable at on the offensive end and instead of you know getting those 12 to 15 footers. I mentioned I thought once they got the lead, I thought they, you know, I thought they're going to win this game now after being down twenty, you know, in in, in the <laughs> fog. And then tell me, give me your take on this. And then I thought they ended up having to settle for some kind of forced long shots in those final possessions, um, and I thought that was really costly. Yeah, and I thought I mentioned just a second ago that they couldn't really get to the rim once Tayshawn Thomas came back in the game. But they just couldn't figure out how to to get lanes in there, and not only with their big guys Thomas and and Spangler, uh, who showed some things, but not able to get the guards good cutting lanes and get them uh, up there to make those shots uh, right at the bucket. You know, Heald's been a guy who's who's done that. He did that quite a bit really early in the second half when they started making that push, scored the first nine points of the second half. A big part of that was. Uh, being able to to make those plays and they got away from it. Jordan Woodard, uh, you know, they hit their. Fr- this is the first time in a while I can remember that uh, a tight game late, and it didn't come down to you know oh you didn't miss free throws in this game. They were eighteen to twenty one at the free throw line. They just didn't get the looks and get the shots and and get the fouls that they needed in the last four minutes in that game. And that's disappointing because this team. You know they've had five losses and and four of them I think or uh, three of them have come uh, no six losses excuse me uh, I believe four of them have come by less than ten points a two two and then the uh, the seven pointer the other night at Kansas and in this league as tough as it is you better better be able to win tight games and they haven't shown that all of their wins have come by at least ten points most of them by you know up, upwards of fifteen and twenty so they're going to have to figure out. Uh, how to to handle these things as we get deeper in Big 12 play because they've got to go to Baylor this week. They've got to go to Stillwater next Saturday, and they've still got trips to Kansas State. Obviously, Kansas coming here, so uh, it doesn't get much easier uh, for this group moving forward, and they're going to have to win those tight games. All right, the Kansas Jayhawks, 10-time reigning Big 12 (laughs) champs, always the favorite. Are they going to win it again? I think they are. And uh, I don't think this is a Final Four team. I don't think this is a team that's going to win a national championship. You know, I don't even know if it's a team that's going to get out of the first weekend. But I'll tell you what I liked is what I saw from their young guys, uh, Kelly Oubre, Cliff Alexander. I think those guys are going to continue to get better for them as the season moves on. And the fact that, uh, you know, they've lost a game, they've lost at Iowa State, which – there's no uh, no great shame in that. Hilton's a tough place to play. But the fact that nobody else has gotten to them at this point, I think, bodes well for their chances moving forward because I think they're only going to get better. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think it's a great team, but it's the upside. You know, it's Oubre. You know, Alexander didn't do much against OSU, but I, you know, at the end of that game the other night, he had a bunch of big plays, and you could see him, you know, as he gets more comfortable and, and, and plays more of these Big 12 games, settling in a little bit. I think that'll be the difference. Perry Ellis, to me, has just always been what he is. You know, he's a nice, yeah. solid player. He had a fan. He's a big reason that they got up to that big lead in the first half. He was hitting everything he put up. He was, you know, getting on the offensive boards and making plays happen like that. 
and I thought really set the tone for them on the offensive side. And it's always interesting to watch Ellis and Heald uh, sort of go back and forth. They're, you know, uh, schoolyard buddies from, from Wichita, played in the same AAU team growing up there. And uh, Buddy said that Perry regularly got the best of him there. And I think uh, maybe if Bill Self had it o- to do over again, he might pick the other way on uh, that selection. But I, I think Ellis is rounded into a, a very solid player and has the ability at times to control the game. Heck, pick them both. <laughs> Put them both on the floor yeah. together. I mean, golly, yeah. That's uh, and they, during the broadcast, they talked about that a little bit about Bill saying, you know, hey, you know, we we sh- we should have recruited this kid harder, and uh, you know that happens sometimes. And, and and when you're Kansas, you almost have to be selective because you have so many options. And uh, yeah, maybe they should have gone the other way. Yeah, and, and Bill Self. I talked to him at uh, Big 12 Media Day when we were up at Kansas City and asked him about that, and he had uh, no shortage of great things to say about Buddy Heald. Really thinks the world of him. Obviously, Bill, Bill Self also thinks the world of Jordan Woodard. Calls him the uh, second-best guard ever to come out of Edmund Memorial. I was going to say, they're both old Bulldogs, so, you know, <laughs> there, there, there yeah, is that connection going there's, on. There's there. a little bit of a bond there, but yeah. it's, always, it's always funny to, to ask Bill about Jordan and – and see his reactions, and uh, that that talk always comes up. You know, who's the the best guard I, I, ever to come out of Memorial? Interesting, interesting. I, I have to think about that a little bit. I saw some really good ones back in the day: JoJo Daniels and Raymond Crenshaw. Uh, I haven't seen. I didn't see Jordan as he played at Memorial, but I saw some pretty good ones. I would probably, you know, obviously my history doesn't go back quite as far as yours does with Ed Memorial, but Jordan Woodard. When he was in high school, I mean, to see what he did leading two teams to state ch- state championships, another team to a, a runner-up finish, and to be able to hit the kind of shot that he did uh, in the condition he was mm-hmm. in the, in his last game, uh, it'd be hard for me to say anybody but him with the way that he took over games. And like I said, that finish is just always going to be, you know, indelibly marked in my mind that, you know, here's a kid with a, a torn muscle in his leg – can hardly move, and he goes out there and hits a game-winning shot like that in a, to win him a state title. All right, I'm going to be. A little, I'm, I'm not saying it's not Woodard. I'm going to be a little partial to Raymond Crenshaw. Led <laughs> uh, led De La Garza to a state championship uh, back in the day. Was a vital piece of that team and really a good kid too. So uh, it'd be interesting. Be interesting. But hey, if Bill Self says he's the second best guard. Bill knows more than I do. <laughs> yeah, Big Bill, week coming up. Yeah, absolutely. weekend I should say. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll start on my end. Uh, we're going, OU's going down to Waco. I say we as in me, the John Shin, uh, Garen Emig, and uh, Justin Height make the uh, the trip down to Waco to cover the Sooners. But uh, this is an interesting game for me because uh, OU beat Baylor pretty handily uh, up in Norman to start Big 12 play, really got them going. But uh, – Baylor is a team that you never know what you're going to get with them, and they can jump up and bite anybody at any time. And uh, they've got some some really good players. We saw now last night, uh, Wednesday night, they went out of the conference and uh, played Houston Tillotson, a uh, team that I don't know anybody probably listening to us knows where it is unless they uh, went to school there. It's apparently a NAI school, I believe, in Austin. Texas, but uh, 
think they'd be able to handle them pretty easily. Yeah, it's a one-point game at halftime yeah. because that's what Scott Drew does with his teams. Yeah, a one-point game at the half. And what the heck are you doing playing them in the in, in, inside of conference, no less? And um, kind of an odd deal there. I remember Houston Tillerson just because my old days of covering UCO a little bit and Oklahoma Christian, every once in a while Tillotson would show up on a schedule, you know, back in the day. But, um, yeah, it was interesting. Uh who was it had a huge rebounding night for them? Uh, Rico Gathers. Rico Gathers, had yeah. 28 boards, 11 offensive boards last night. Yeah. Well, you probably should do that against Houston Tillotson, but still, that's a bunch of boards. You're, doing, you're, you're getting some work in there. Yeah, absolutely. And he, he was just 9 of 17 from the field, so apparently he had a lot of misses. Maybe he was getting his own boards there. Uh, obviously, that wasn't a game that I saw any of, or I don't even know if it was on TV. But uh, it, it, it's interesting. You know, seeing that and uh, the, the kind of night and the kind of numbers that Rico Gathers had, regardless of what the competition is, is is uh, certainly something to to appreciate because uh, you know it's not like any of the other guys in this conference are putting up numbers like that when they're when they're playing. You know, OU played uh, what Northwestern State and uh, some teams like that. So it's a a big night, regardless, but still. Sort of odd to look at the schedule. Uh, here we are, you know, end of January and see Houston Tillotson on there. All right, so I've got a similar storyline, the team that the Cowboys have already played and handled in Stillwater, Kansas State. I don't have a shout-out to any uh, media pals because I'll be going solo up there, <laughs> um, at least driving-wise. Uh, but, um, you know, it's a very different Kansas State team than we saw in Stillwater, you know. They were going through some some issues at that time. Marcus Foster didn't even start, didn't score. Uh, I'm sure he'll start and score Saturday in this game. And it, this team just has a completely different look. They won four in a row after that uh, loss in Stillwater. Did lose to Iowa State earlier this week. But um, you saw them as they were already starting to make their, you know, their regroup, I guess I would say. Well, I guess I saw them as they were. I I saw them make their transformation on the field when uh, when Marcus Foster, you know, hadn't shown anything, been out of the starting lineup. He returned to the starting lineup against the Sooners. He, uh, you know, didn't really look like he much wanted to be there for uh, a lot of the early part of Big Twelve play. And then, you know, the the Sooners. Uh, Face him, and then Marcus Foster. Honestly, in this game, Marcus Foster hits a big shot that sends him into overtime, and he hits the big shot that wins it in overtime, and and scored six points real early. But he didn't have a, a huge game in that one. He just had the the ball in his hands at the right time. Only finished with fourteen points. Now, the thing that really impressed me about them was Stephen Hurt, mm-hmm. their big guy coming off the bench. He had a phenomenal game. Uh, what? Uh, 15 points, eight rebounds uh, coming off the bench. And they were able to to hurt OU's depth in that game at the interior. We talked about D.J. Bennett not playing. Well, you know, K-State was able to run in. Stephen Hurt to go with Thomas Gibson and Nino Williams down there. And we know what they can do uh, on a pretty consistent basis. So they, they really made, made OU pay. But uh, I thought Stephen Hurt was the the key to that game. But Marcus Foster getting going there with those two big shots at the end, I mean, I think he's one of the – probably one of the four best players in this league when he's going right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd probably put what uh, – Staten, Staten, Staten yeah. would have to be there. Heald would have to be there. And uh, 
probably Niang when when things are going mm-hmm. well for him. Yeah, but I think uh, Marcus Foster is right there with those guys when he's going right, and certainly he's he's got things turned around for them. And the guys you mentioned, you know, Nino Williams didn't play well in Stillwater. Hurt didn't do hardly anything in the game in Stillwater. Obviously, Foster didn't. So that's going to make this a completely different look. You know, this uh, this next matchup, eleven a.m. game, which is always interesting. Sports <laughs> writers delight. Um, I don't know if players like doing that though. They they like to stay up late. Um, so th- that'll be interesting, but uh, a big game for OSU. I I think, despite all what we're talking about, K State playing better and all of that. You know, some of that's been done against you know, TCU and, and and some of those teams. I think this is a winnable road game, and I don't think it's a terrible matchup. Uh, I think I think their guards can be turned over a little bit. I think OSU will probably try and do that some. You know, if OSU is going to steal a real road game, I think this is maybe their their opportunity. You'd, I'm sure they'd like to think they can go to Tech and win and maybe go to TCU and win. But if you want to steal a quality road game, this might be the one for them. Yeah, and, and this starts a brutal stretch for Oklahoma State because they have what they've got. At Kansas State, they uh, host Baylor and, and Oklahoma, both top 25 teams as of right now. Uh, the next week – but then they've got at Texas, which is a tough place to play, mm-hmm. obviously, and you never know what you're going to get from the Longhorns, especially under Rick Barnes this season with their group. Uh, but then they've got Kansas at home and, and then at Baylor. So really until through that February 9th game, uh, OSU, and it's just this way in the Big 12 period this season, they're going to have to be fired up and ready to go. So they, they're going to need to steal a game if they can at, at, at some point. Absolutely. And, and and you said the key right there, be fired up and ready to go. And, you know, you saw that in the Bedlam game. You know, o, OU came out with all the intensity and the energy in that game and, and took it over from the beginning. Not what we'd seen out of OSU to that point. Um, they've got to play that way because, you know, they'll tell you that they're not the most talented team, but they, they've worked hard. They play good defense. Uh, and that's how they've been able to succeed this year. They've got to do it again. They'll have to do it Saturday. Yeah, definitely. And and Oklahoma, we talked about uh, going to Baylor uh, on Saturday. That's a 5 p.m. game uh, down in Waco. So we get to wake up in our own beds on Saturday morning and then drive down to Waco with the, the group I mentioned earlier. But then OU finally gets the, their uh, breather. And they get Texas Tech coming to their place uh, on January 28th. Uh, they haven't played either Tech or TCU, which bodes well. I think people look at the Big 12 standings and, you know, where's where's OU going to finish? You know, are they going to have, you know, are they going to finish in that one of the seven spot where they've got to play a game the first day of the Big 12 tournament? I don't think they're in danger of that. I think they're going to finish above that because I think they're going to get those four wins and they're going to, you know, get some wins against some of these other teams. But, uh, you know, having not played Tech and TCU uh, until – you know the last few days of January, and they certainly can can beat you down a little bit when you're going through this grind. No doubt about it. And you're right. You know, OSU finally played at one of those teams, Tech, last night. They still they won't see TCU for a while. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, you, you have to look at the the standings through that light. You know, because those are going to be like almost like bankable wins. I mean, you got to go do it, but. I mean, for OU especially, you would think that they will. Um, so add those in to, to the end. For, for OSU, they've, they've got to win as many home games as they can. They're already off to sort of a sluggish road uh, st- stretch, although they've played it arguably the toughest places 
you know, West Virginia not included in that yet, but uh, played at Hilton, played at Allen, played at OU. So, um, you know, win your home games. You know, I don't know what that matchup with Baylor will look like. I haven't looked just real deep into that. But um, win as many home games as you can. Steal a couple of road games at Tech and and TCU, I don't know about stealing, but just go win those and maybe steal one somewhere else. And it gives you a little bit of flexibility. I think eight and eight is a great goal for OSU. Get to eight and uh, eight and eight, nine and nine, and uh, and get in and get in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, no doubt about that. I mean, five hundred is going to make the NCAA tournament in this league. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But you know, we're talking about the standings, and right now West Virginia is at three and two, a half a game ahead of OU. Well, after Saturday, West Virginia. Will have played TCU twice and uh, able to to wrap up that. They've already played Texas Tech too one of their times. So they've got after this week they'll have three out of their four against those teams that uh, you know. There's a clear to me one to eight. Mm-hmm. You've got a pretty clear line under eight, and then nine to ten. You've got a pretty clear line there. I think uh, Texas Tech pretty clearly is the the last team in this league. Tech, TCU is pretty clearly the next to last team, and there's gulfs. In between there, and then the top eight are pretty closely bunched. I, I think there's some decent teams at the top, like we've talked about. I don't think there's a Final Four team or even a national championship team for sure, but uh, you know, it's certainly something to watch when, you know, obviously OU struggled at West Virginia. Uh, you know, a lot of teams struggle there. West Virginia's playing really good defense, but at the same time, West Virginia went down and got blown out to Texas. So that's certainly a team that OU is capable of jumping. You know, you never know what what OSU is going to bring. You know, one night to the next, you figure they're going to steal some games there. So this Big Twelve standings are awfully interesting to look at. From uh, you know, every sun- Saturday night after the the actions wrapped up, and then you know Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday as we go through the the midweek games. But uh, it's going to be an awfully fun one to watch. And I know we say that a lot, but uh, it's an intriguing league. It is, and, and emotions for fans are going to be, you know, sort of rising and falling. One night you're going to feel pretty good about your team, and then uh, <laughs> the next night you're going to be, you know, kicking yourself or, uh, you know, whatever that might be. It's it's just the way this league is going to be this year because of the depth, because of the closeness of the teams. Yeah, and, and you're also going to see RPI stay strong, I think, through this thing. Uh, looking at the, the Big 12 Twitter feed last night, the Baylor used until it's in game was the uh, final non-conference game for these teams. Uh, the Big 12 was 105-22 and 22 for an 82.7% winning percentage uh, against outside competitors, and they played some really good teams. Uh, you know, OU went to the, the Bahamas and played some tough teams down there. Uh, you know, there's a lot of teams in this league who played pretty strong, stout non-conference schedules, and that's a pretty big mark. In fact, 11th best ever in uh, college basketball as far as a, a non-conference mark during the regular season. And none of the other power conferences were as good as 800. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So think about that. No, None of the other conferences were, were really within striking distance of what the Big 12 did this non-conference. Yeah, and that certainly speaks to the depth of this league, that uh, there's any of those, you know, like I was saying, top eight teams that can come up and bite you. And I think – I think TCU is probably going to beat somebody that's not Texas Tech in the Big 12 before it's all said and done because they're good enough 
where uh, if you catch them on the you know a, a bad night for you, that they can jump up and and make things happen. We've seen them play tight games against Baylor. They played a couple more tight games in the Big Twelve already. So I think they're gonna Trent Johnson's team is gonna gonna bite somebody before it's all said and done. Won't surprise me at all. So it'll it'll be a fun one. But once again, uh, eleven a.m. on Saturday, Oklahoma State at Kansas State, Bramlage Coliseum. Always a an interesting place to watch a game. And then uh, I'll be down in Waco, five o'clock on on Saturday night for OU versus Baylor. But uh, should be a, a fun weekend of basketball and fun early week uh, next week. And then we'll uh, get after it again with another edition of It's Still Bedlam. It's Still Bedlam will once again be Bedlam. Exactly. We'll have a lot to talk about next week, uh, previewing the the second Bedlam meeting. But until then, you can check us out every day at newsok.com and every morning at the Oklahoman for the best. OSU and OU coverage anywhere.